end of the His Harline podcast, where we ignite independent and accurate thought, break the chains and shackles of mental bondage, challenge societal norms, and traverse through the timeless teachings of our Heavenly Father. Join us as we liberate minds and embrace the power of the Great Awakening while embracing true sovereignty. Welcome to the show. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Thank you for tuning into His Heart Line. And if you want to find our social media, official social media accounts, and find more shows like this, you can find all of that on hisheartline.com. I am Jason, your co-host with our sovereign Lord and Savior Christ Jesus at my side because he is the host with the most and the most high. He's at the helm behind the wheel. He's in the captain's chair steering this great ship of ours through these crazy rough waters in this storm that we call life. So welcome to His Heart Line. Today's show is titled, We the People Rise, Part 1 of 2. And today's reading will be out of Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 through 22. Now for the daily disclaimer. Please be advised that I'm not a doctor, holistic health expert, financial advisor, biblical scholar, or bar lawyer. And while I am a member of the Michigan General Jural Assembly in good lawful standing, I am not the official face or voice of the National State or County Assembly. And I do not endorse or advocate for violence unless it's in self-defense of me and my family. And please note that the opinions, thoughts, and statements expressed on this platform are solely my own and for educational and entertainment purposes only. All right. Hope everybody's having a good day so far. Wherever you're at in the world, whenever you are listening to this download. So Mike Gill, who happens to be the holder of the Pandora Papers, he posted something on X back uh, January 26th, and I happened to find it, find it, and uh, I felt like it was worthy of reading. So he posted saying, yes, it is this bad. The reason you're confused is because that's the plan. The deep state controls the media. The FBI and CIA has infiltrated podcasts and patriot organizations, and they told us that you are their targets. In war, first take out communications. And then the second part of that was, um, does it make sense that podcasters or social influencers tell you exactly who they are if you're going to accept their inside info? Now, there is more to that post. I didn't happen to catch the rest of that screenshot, so that was a party fail on me. And by the way, just so you know, uh, not only am I the co-host here, but I'm also, you know, the producer, the co-producer. I'm the tech guy, the screen, you know, the phone screen caller guy. I mean, I, I do it all here. It's a one-man shop over here, so forgive me if I am not perfect with the production over here. We do our best at his hard line. But anyway, so... <clears throat> In Mike's first post, he expressed a concern about a state of affairs saying that things are worse, of course, than they actually are. You know, they, they are indeed bad, you know, as bad as they seem. And he attributes a lot of the confusion surrounding the situation to deliberately orchestrate plans by the deep state to infiltrate our media. 
And according to Gill, this group control, you know, controls by and large a good portion of the media and also infiltrated quite a bit of the podcast movement, right? A lot of people, a lot of truthers and red pillars in the podcast world uh, and a lot of patriot organizations. And he also says that the FBI and CIA are also involved in these efforts aiming to target, you know, the people and certain groups. Now, Mike Gill also asserts that in times of war, the first objective obviously is to disrupt communication channels and networks, which he believes is happening through these infiltrations. And we have witnessed and experienced this actually firsthand uh, here in the with the MGJA. Uh, now, his second part of that post questions the credibility of these podcasters and certain social influencers who openly declare their affiliations and or their intentions. So he's implying that people who claim to have inside information or insights like certain people who have a name that sounds very dangerously similar to the number 107 uh, may not be trustworthy, uh, basically suggesting a decree, you know, a decree of skepticism towards such sources. Now, overall, Mike's post conveys a uh, a sense of suspicion, right, and distrust and rightfully so towards mainstream media uh, because, you know, you got agencies like the FBI and CIA that infiltrated that through op Operation Mockingbird. And now they're, get, you know, they're they're infiltrating the, the podcast. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, is one of the many reasons why I don't listen to any more podcasts. Um, and if I do listen to something and play something here on the air, a little snippet, it's usually because somebody sent me something and they thought it was, you know, noteworthy for me to check out. And so, um, so anyways, you know, just one of those things that I think, you know, you should really pay attention to. I, I always tell, I, I, I've always said, look at who you typically follow. If they have a huge, large following, um, look, always remain skeptical, okay? Because, you know, numbers can easily be manipulated. Analytics can be manipulated. If you get the right person or the right entity, right corporation on the payroll, okay? Because what the government you know, the CIA, the FBI, right? The, 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 the de facto, these deep staters, anything's possible. They can make anything look like anything on the internet. I mean, and it's just numbers. I mean, you think they can do amazing stuff with CGI, uh, manipulating numbers on a platform is nothing. You might see somebody who has, you know, five, four or 500,000, you know, subscribers, but do they really, do they really? Now, some of them may, but I question quite a bit of these people because when I look at some of these podcasters and these influencers, um, I'm not going to name names, but there is one in particular who has millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of downloads on his show. But then when I look at the number of subscribers that this individual has, and I have attended a lot of his live shows and I see how many people listen in live on these shows. Now, granted, not everybody's going to listen live, but um, I've done the math on it. And, you know, the math of the number of downloads that they show they have on this particular platform versus how many people attend live and how many people they have subscribed to that channel, it just doesn't make sense. Now, I'm not saying that that's not the case, but you know, I'm pretty generally good with numbers and math and breaking down statistics and statistically it just doesn't add up. So anyway, but now why, why am I bringing all this up? Well, the reason I say all this and the reason I'm sharing this post from Mike Gill is because it's really relevant to the state of affairs that's going on in today's climate. You know, there's a, you know, there's going to be a lot of misinformation, a lot of disinformation, right? We're no stranger to this by now. And a lot of people are distrusting mainstream media. So now it's up to us, right? Uh, 
to 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 really discern you know what's true what's not true and so now because people are not trusting mainstream media these agents right these these infiltrators are now trying to uh you know infiltrate the independent networks and social media influencers and popular podcasters aka red pillars but you have you know you have no idea who these people are like i said you have no idea really who i am even right all you know is that i'm jason with his hardline podcast and i'm part of the michigan general journal assembly now, if you are a righteous and good lawful mem member of your state assembly, then you should know exactly who I am. And you should know that I say I am who I say I am. And you should know that with your own discernment that I'm not a paid actor or I'm not an agent, right? But all that said, I can say whatever I want here and you would be none the wiser. So I just caution everybody, just be aware of who you are following. Now, another news real quick before we get into the show, because again, I do want to keep these uh, relatively uh shorter in length be with these recordings because again i try to make sure i get the bed at a decent time here and you know i'm doing better with my time management but there was a post from Derek johnson rattletrap page right on telegram uh he says dropping like flies so check this out prince philip died in april of 2021 that was 17 months later uh queen elizabeth died september of 2022 which was also 17 1776 days after the first q drop 1776 well imagine that then september 22nd to february of 2024 equals 17 months i'm sure those are just coincidences all right because uh who um what's his name uh died uh goodness gracious and of course he didn't put it in his post here hold on i put it in my post let me go back to uh telegram real quick go up go up go up where's it at Where's it at? There it is. Yeah. Uh, financier, finan financier, Lord Jacob Rothschild is dead. I find that very interesting. So anyway, so, um, but yeah, just something I figured I'd point out that he posted. Now I want to, I want to give you a quote real quick. So the only, this is from Edmund Burke, Edmund Burke. Now he says, the only thing necessary for triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Now, this quote emphasizes the crucial role that people play in preventing the spread of wrongdoing and standing up for what is right. And it highlights the danger of complacency and the importance of taking action against injustice, reminding us of the collective responsibility that we share in shaping a better world. Now, how do you know when you were doing the right thing? I mean, that's a very serious question. How do you personally know internally that you are doing the right thing when everybody else might be doing something that might be contrary and opposite to what you believe in your heart to be true and right. How does that resonate with you internally? Well, knowing whether you're doing the right thing is, is often deeply personal and it's an internal process. Now for me, it's about aligning my actions with my values, my principles, along with my conscience. I listen to that inner voice, right? That gut feeling that tells me, right? That gut feeling that tells me when something feels right or wrong. It's about being honest with myself. It's about, it's about reflecting on my intentions and considering the potential impact of my actions on myself and others. Now, while external influences and opposing views may challenge my convictions, staying true to what I believe is right ultimately bring you know it, it is is ultimately going to bring a sense of peace and integrity 
I mean, it's an ongoing journey of self-awareness, growth, and staying connected to my core and my core values in the middle of a very, very noisy, distractive world. And then you're confronted then with the conviction internally that, okay, let's just say you are indeed doing the right thing, right? Or you're on the right path, right? You're making the right decision. How do you know if it's time to step up and act when nobody else is? And you're the only one stepping up from the sidelines when everybody else is still sitting. Because acting could be a very hard thing to do too. Stepping up to act. Well, stepping up to act when nobody else is can be very daunting. But it's often a matter of recognizing the urgency of the situation and trusting in, in your convictions. Now, when I'm confronted with the conviction that I'm doing the right thing and the opportunity arises to take action, I consider a few key factors. Now, first, I assess the potential impact of my actions and then the consequences of not acting. If the situation calls for immediate intervention to prevent harm and or uphold important values, well, then that sense of urgency motivates me to act instantly. Boom. Now. Secondly, I evaluate my own capabilities and resources to uh, determine if I have the ability to make a meaningful difference. Right. Can I take care of whatever is occurring right here in front of me on my own? Now, while it may, again, feel daunting to be the only one stepping up to act, I remind myself that every action, no matter how small, can contribute to positive change. Now, lastly, I draw strength from, you know, my convictions and, and the knowledge that, you know, standing up for what is right is inherently valuable, even if it's not immediately recognized or supported by others, right? It might seem like a very unpopular uh, stance that you might be taking at that time. And ultimately, it's about trusting in your instincts, being guided by your values and embracing the courage to take a stand when it's needed most. Now, why am I bringing all this up? Well, there's a reason, and we're going to get to it here on the other half of the show here. But before we do that, let's read Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 through 22, the call and commission of Moses, okay? Because this has everything to do with what we're going to be discussing. And starting with verse 7, it says, But the Lord said, I have witnessed the affliction of my people in Egypt and have heard their cry against taskmaster, taskmasters. So I know well what they are suffering. Therefore, I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them up from the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezites, the uh, Gergashites, the Hivites, and the Jebezites. Jebusites. Now, indeed, the outcry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen how the Egyptians are oppressing them. Now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Well, God answered, I will be with you, and this will be your sign that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve God at this mountain. But said Moses to God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What do I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Then he added, this is what you will tell the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. 
God spoke further to Moses, and this is what you will say to the Israelites. The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is my title for all generations. Go and gather the elders of the Israelites and tell them, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, has appeared to me and said, I have observed you and what is being done to you in Egypt. So I have decided to lead you up out of your affliction in Egypt, into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, the Pezites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. They will listen to you. Then you and the elders of Israel will go into the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of Hebrews, has come to meet us. So now let us go a three days journey in the wilderness to offer sacrifice to the to the Lord, our God. Yet I know that the king of Egypt will not allow you to go unless his hand is forced. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wondrous deeds I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. I will even make the Egyptians so well disposed toward his people that when you go, you will not go empty handed. Every woman will ask her neighbor and the resident alien in her house for silver and gold articles and for clothing, and you will put them on your sons and daughters, so you will plunder the Egyptians. And that is the reading in Exodus. Now, sorry about that, to shut my alarm off. Now, in this call and commission of Moses uh, that's recounted here in Exodus uh, uh, chapter 3, verses 7 through 22, we are witnessing God's compassion for his people, the Israelites, right? And during... uh, harsh oppression in Egypt, right? They're dealing with complete hell on earth is what they're dealing with. And God declares that he has seen their suffering. He heard their cries and he's aware of their affliction and he highlights his intimate knowledge of their plight and deep empathy towards them. So furthermore, God acknowledges their suffering and reveals his plan to rescue them, promising to lead them out of Egypt into a land abundant with blessings. Now, despite God's directive and promise of his presence, and this is what cracks me up, uh, Moses responds with hesitation and self-doubt, questioning his worthiness and ability to carry out the task. So in response, God reassures Moses of his unwavering presence and power, affirming his constant companionship and support throughout the journey. So, When Moses seeks to understand God's identity to convey it to the Israelites, God reveals himself as, I am who I am. I mean, he's very point blank about it. Which encapsulates the eternal and self-existing nature of God. This revelation underscores the foundational truth of God's existence and reinforces the Israelites' faith in his power to deliver them. This passage, you know, ladies and gentlemen, it, it, it really provides timeless lessons, as a lot of passages in the Bible do. But this particular one reminds us of God's compassionate concern for his people and his faithfulness and fulfilling his promises and constant presence in every circumstance. But here's the thing. It challenges us to trust in God's sovereignty. And that's a hard thing for a lot of people to do. He's asking us to obey his commands. He's asking us, rely on my provisions that I'm going to provide you, even when we're faced with challenges. He's asking us, rely on me. 
the great I am. I am who I am. And just as God led the Israelites out of Egypt, we also are going to be able to find hope in God's promise for our own lives, knowing that he is faithful and he'll lead us to victory as we reassemble our states. Now, let's get into part one. All right, I'm going to do this in a two-part show. So on um, uh, the next show, I'll read the rest of this. But this is an open letter that was put out October 8th of 2013. All right, by the people, we the people. It's an open letter and public notice. And if I have some time at the end, because today is election day on this 27th of February, it is election day. And yes, even though it is for the de facto, uh, we still need to uh, put our support out there for the great commander in chief, Donald John Trump. Not Chris Christie, not Nikki Haley or whatever the hell their name is or any of these other boneheads. No, 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 not them. So anyways, I got uh, a couple of funny audio pieces that I'm going to play, not just today, but I'll probably play them again on the live show on, you know, on Sunday, the next Sunday live show that I do. But anyway, so here's the open letter in public notice. Listen very carefully, because, and I've read this before, but I wanted to read it again. All right. Now it says, to the following, U.S. Military, Pentagon, Joint Chiefs, Flag Officers, Provost Marshal, Inspector General, and Office of Management and Budget, U.S. Corporation, and its agents and actors, an act of giving public notice. We, the people who are the civilian authority, notice it says civilian, by the way, not citizen, not the citizenry, the civilian authority, with the superior lawful standing over the U.S. corporation equals United States corporation and authority over the U.S. military acting under the original jurisdiction of the United States Constitution, 1789, Bill of Rights, 1791, with the original 13th Amendment equals, which removes persons who have accepted an entitlement from holding public office as the United States of America, republic form of government, de jure, standing as the true form of government, is proud to announce and notice the following effective immediately. The purpose of this writing is to add the next pieces to the, to the graphical explanation of the relationships between the U.S. corporation to straw man and to us the living, breathing men and women who occupy the geographical lands of the de jure constitutional government for the United States of America. We want to know that our borders are watched and we are protected when we come and go either on pleasure or business. We want to make sure that we have a roof over our head, good food, not GMO to eat, and the people who represent us at the state and federal levels are looking out for us and not their personal pocketbooks. So we want to disconnect ourselves from the U.S. corporation, both personally, state and federal wise. So the questions are many and what should we be aware of to disconnect? Now I'm going to pause there for a second. Now, I'm glad this was put out back then. But see how this is worded, okay? And I think there's a reason why they, you know, why uh, not much was done then because of how this was worded, right? Like, I'm sure the corporation did not take this very seriously because they're, they're going to read this and be like, why are they asking what, what should we be aware of in order to disconnect? Like, do you understand? It's like asking your slave master, how do we, di how do we stop being your slave? They're going to look at you and laugh. Well, guess what? There's a better path, a way better path. It's, uh, well, we're just going to leave it there. I'm not going to go further in that because I'm not giving the enemy ammunition on what they can do.
Now, it continues to say on March 27, 1861, seven southern states walked out of the Union along with several of the northern states under Sine Die, breaking the contract between the Federation and the United States. The states seceding from the Union were South Carolina, Mississippi, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, and Texas. The event caused a contract which consisted the Articles of Confederation, the Organic Constitution of 1789, and the Bill of Rights of 1791 to be breached. Upon breaking this contract, the following happened. The, United, the Union of States <clears throat> excuse me, relationship was suspended and the United States of America was suspended in its existence. Now, this is true because basically what you now have is a, a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a crisis here now. So Article 1, continue reading. Article 1, legislation was suspended under Parliament Congress. Congress ceased to exist as a lawful body and all lawful republic governmental seats were vacant. Article 2, executive branch was suspended. Office of president was suspended. Office of the president was vacant. President had no authority to declare war. At this point, the then sitting president had no power, no authority. His position as president was suspended and considered vacant by the de jure republic constitutional government. Article 3, judicial courts were suspended. Article 3, judicial seats are vacated. All right, and then there's a little symbol here with the asterisk. It says the asterisk equals per administrative court judge in North Carolina, case file number 11 CVS 1559. Now you get to April 15th of 1861. President Lincoln executed the first executive order written by any president, which is ex executive order 100. All right, here it says executive order one, but if I, if I recall correctly, it's actually executive order 100. And the executive orders are not constitutional. However, it is perceived as by as law by the U.S. Uh, or by the use of television propagating the deception. Now, this is not correct. An executive order is a memo method of communicating between departments of a corporation and is not the law of the land. Which, by the way, the Bill of Rights is the law of the land. If you caught my post from earlier this morning and read that little snippet from that book that I was telling you about. And if you're wondering too, by the way, a little side note, well, Jason, how come you're not going to put out the name of that book? It's just a book. No, it's not just a book. It is way more than that. And let's just put it this way. It's very, very, uh, it's a very, it's the content in it is, <laughs> it's very important. And if that content got in the wrong hands, well, you know. Continuing the read. When Congress eventually did reconvene, it was reconvened under the military authority of the commander-in-chief and not by rules of order for parliamentary bodies of the constitutional law, placing the American people under martial rule ever since that national emergency declared by President Lincoln. The Constitution for the United States of America temporarily ceased to be the law of the land, which it never really was. Um, and the president, Congress, and the courts unlawfully presume that they were free to remake the national government in their own fashion, whereas lawfully no constitutional provisions were in place which afforded power or authority to enact any of the actions which were taken, which presumed to place the nation under the new form of a federal government control. So April 17th, 1861, and over the next five weeks, seceding from the Union were the additional states of Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Arkansas, totaling 11 Confederate states. 1862, the unlawful Congress redefined the word person as a legal term of art, creating a fictional entity, fictional characterization, straw man, corporate entity. 
definition of a person equals fiction characterization, which allowed the unlawful Congress to say that 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 you can create, you can control. In 1864, the Unlawful Congress redefining the word state to be the District of Columbia. They are setting a pattern for that that you can create, you can control. In Webster's Dictionary, 1828, the definition for Columbia as a noun is America. The United States, a poetical appellation given in honor of Columbus, the discoverer, Furthermore, the definition used today in U.S. corporation speeches, law, statutes, court system for person equals fictional characterization and state equals District of Columbia are hereby repealed, revoked, and terminated because these words were redefined by an unconstitutional Congress to be used to entrap the living, breathing flesh and blood man or woman into debt slavery by the 14th Amendment. That's right. This is spoken by the we, the people, the de jure constitutional government for the United States of America. Definition for person and for state, as per Webster's Dictionary, 1828, are as follows. Person. It's Latin for persona, said to be compounded of per, through, or by, and sonus, meaning sound, a Latin word signifying primarily a mask used by actors on the state. An individual human being consisting of body and soul, we apply the word to living beings only, possessed of a rational nature, and the body, when dead, is not called a person. It is applied alike to a man, woman, or child. A person is a thinking, intelligent being, verb, transitive, to represent as a person, to make, to resemble, to resemble, to image, not in use. Now, the word state, used as a noun, it's Latin, to stand, to be, to be fixed. Condition, the circumstances of a being or thing at any given time, these circumstances may be an internal, constitutional, or peculiar to the being, or they may have relation to other beings. We say the body in a sound state, or it is in a weak state, or it has just recovered from a feeble state. The state of the health is good. The state of the mind is favorable for study. So we say the state of the public affairs calls for the exercise of talents and wisdom in regard to foreign nations or affairs are in a good state. So we say single state and married state declare the past and present state of things. Now there's another definition. We're just going to skip that right now because I don't feel like going through another definition. But it is interesting stepping away from this for a second, because when somebody dies, who is supposedly an elected officer, right, an office holder. You ever notice what when they do a viewing in like a public setting, they say so-and-so is laying in state. In state. So-and-so is laying in state. That is very interesting. I've never heard that except for government officials. I, you don't hear that when people in our own family die and we go do a, a, a viewing, right? A wake. We say, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to go to the wake. Why is it called awake when they're dead? You're not awake when you're dead. I never understood that terminology to, to do a viewing of somebody who passed away. It's awake, but you're dead. So you're not awake. Why is it called awake? But with government officials, when someone dies and then they present the body for public viewing, in a service, they, they say that so-and-so, whoever that so-and-so is, is laying in state. 
I just find that interesting. Um, continuing reading. Let me pick up where I wanted to go. So it says, now, as we continue with the aforementioned timeline, the U.S. corporation continues to attack the vacant seats of the de jure constitutional government, its people, and the lands by writing executive orders, acts, and treaties created by the U.S. corporation that starts with the Act of 1871, creating the District of Columbia and defining it as a state, while the Union states are redefined as territories under the District of Columbia, the Pan-American Treaty of 1226-1933, the Treaty Series 881, and the International Organization Immunities Act of 129-1945. Since all of these acts and treaty references were created by an unconstitutional government, we the people are not obligated nor bound by these unconstitutional instruments. That the Pan-American Treaty of 1226-1933, Treaty Series 881, Convention on Rights and Duties of States stated Congress replaced statutes with international law, placing all states under international law. Well, imagine freaking that. So that the International Organization Immunities Act of 1209-1945, Congress relinquished every public office over to the UN. The UN. Local governments up to the president fall under U.N. jurisdiction. Congress gave the U.N. the right to dictate what laws will be international and gave them the right to tax the states. Now, I got something I'm going to play, given that we have a little bit of time regarding the U.N. You're going to like it. It's great. But what we are witnessing is, and this is continuing reading right here, what we are witnessing is a powerful assertion of the authority by we the people over the U.S. corporation and its actors. Through historical analysis, we're uncovering significant events like the 1861 state secessions, the subsequent suspension of constitutional functions, and a redefinition of legal terms by Congress during the Civil War era. These historical insights shed light on perceived breaches of the constitutional framework, including the use of executive orders and impact of international treaties and acts on domestic governance. It's evident that amidst distractions like social media and entertainment, we're awakened to our inherent power and responsibility to restore this republic to its rightful state. And excuse me, this is my own notation. This is, <laughs> I'm not, uh, so the last part that we read here was um, I was, didn't even realize I'm like going over my own notes here, but the last part of that reading there, it was talking about how all local governments, right. From the president all the way on down fell under us, uh, UN, UN being the United nations, by the way, if I didn't make myself clear, United nations jurisdiction, Congress gave the UN the right to dictate what laws will be international and gave them the right to tax the states, which ultimately tax us. So again, that's the end of the reading right there for part one. But what we are witnessing is an assertion of authority in the first part of this document by we the people over the U.S. corporation and its actors. And through historical analysis, you know, we're uncovering the significant events like the voiding out of the act, the Organic Act of 1861, right? And the 1861 state secession and this, you know, the, the suspension of the constitutional functions and so on and so forth. The historical insights that we read here 
really shed a lot of light on these breaches of the constitutional framework, including the use of executive orders by Lincoln and what impact that these international treaties and acts on domestic governance really hold, right? And and more importantly, it's pretty important that in the middle of all this, right, you got distractions like social media, you got entertainment, you got, gosh, there's so much bread and circus crap out there. You got so much out there that just distracts us. You know, people are starting to wake up. And they're figuring out that they have an inherent power and responsibility that's always been in their hands and can participate in the restoration of this republic to its rightful state. People are starting to become more self-aware and they're learning how to apply the remedy necessary to reclaim our constitutional authority and shape the future of our nation. And this is a very fundamental this is the fundamental purpose that's driving our reassembly of states, our general general assemblies. We're coming together to assemble our general general assemblies, both on the state and county level, levels. And the path that we're on, this was a path that was envisioned by our founders centuries ago, which is rooted in the principles that formed the very idea of the United States of America. Now, unfortunately, over time, we had some serious infiltration from within, from foreign en- entities and actors who sought out to undermine this vision, right? Who sought out to destroy this idea called the United States of America. Yet, let us not forget that the United States of America was not just a geographical entity, but an idea, a concept That was born on paper and cemented by the sacrifices of dedicated men. And we have to honor their legacy. By refusing to let ignorance, by refusing to let laziness or apathy dim the power that we've always possessed. Ladies and gentlemen, it's it's time to act and get involved in your assembly. Stop sitting on the sidelines. You want to know more, come back for part two of this show in a couple days, or if you're listening on the download side, just click next. It should be there. Uh, You know, if you're listening to this uh, weeks down the road from the original recording of this, Now, I do have an audio I want to play, which I think you'll find very entertaining, considering today is the election for the de facto, you know, president. I felt like it was very fitting. But before we do that, let's get into the prayer. So, Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you, seeking guidance and strength 
for our nation. We pray for the restoration of this republic. We ask for clarity in the middle of all this confusion that has uh, enveloped us in recent years. May those who have been grappling with mental fog find clarity and enlightenment and hopefully things start to make sense for them. I also want to offer our gratitude for the countless blessings that you have bestowed upon us. We thank you for our families. We thank you for our children, the opportunity to work and provide for our loved ones. We acknowledge that our rights are not granted by any earthly authority, but our gifts from you, including the right to life, pursuit of happiness and a free speech. And we thank you, Father, for these precious rights, and we entrust our nation and its people into your loving care. And we also pray that anybody who is dealing with um, and enslaved in the human trafficking, that we can get every woman, every child, and every man, if there's any out there, who are caught up in this human sex trafficking. We pray for the safe return in one piece, and hopefully with very little mental, um, I don't even know what to call it, but we just, we just pray that we can get these people rescued and returned back home. We pray all this in your Holy Son's name, Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. Now, remember, ladies and gentlemen, I, I am going to play this audio before we close out the show, but I'm just going to make my closing remark right now. Here at His Hard Line, we are firm, we are steadfast, and we are uncompromising. The enemy will not cross this line anymore because it is men and women like you and I who hold this line firm and to make sure that no one veers over that line accidentally. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That is part one of We the People Rise. Part one of two. All right. Look out for part two in a couple days. And until then or the next time, we'll see you back here later. Now, here is my little treat for you. And yes, I will be playing this in another few more shows before I wear it out. I uh, got, <laughs> you're going to love this. This one's called Come On, Man a parody with Joe Biden and then I got another one with Donald Trump and Tucker Carlson I think you all like you this to listen to let me know what you think it's your boy Joe Rogan I mean Joe Joe Biden Joe Joe Namath Joe Barack Barack Obama's VP and the, this is my new song Corn Pop was a bad dude. Me and Hunter got matching tattoos. When we got money from Ukraine, gas companies, they paid in cash too. I was the first man to land on the moon. I invented the fork and spoon. The leader of a whole damn platoon. I helped Michael Jackson write his tunes. I was there at George Washington's birth. And when Peter invented the church, I taught Kelly Slater to surf. I'm the greatest president on earth. I was there when Abe Lincoln was shot. Me and Bob Norley smoked pot. Used to be a fireman and cop. I was there when 50 Cent was shot. Kids rubbed the hair on my legs. I'm the one who got out of debt. Robert Byrd was my good friend. Eulogized him when he was dead. Yeah, he was in the KKK. 
Who cares? Just vote them. You ain't black if you don't vote for me. Yeah, that's actually what I said. I was arrested during civil rights. Never mind, I was with the whites. I used to drive an 18-wheeler. I taught Mike Tyson how to fight. Three-letter word, J-O-B-S. No time for your BS. Check my face, I always seem stressed. I need a break, is it recess? Why are stairs so hard to climb? Like Logan Paul and KSI, I'm in my prime. High res, help me write these rhymes. 2 p.m., it's my nap time. You're a dog-faced lion pony soldier. Come on, man, let me sniff your kid. Whoops, I already did. If you don't vote for me, you're so mid. I went to an all-black college. Top of my class, I have knowledge. I'm so Polish, I'm mean Polish. I used to work at the Olive Garden. I can relate to the people of Maui. How can I make this thing about me? My garage burnt down. Almost lost my wife, my Corvette and Audi. Four kids are just as bright as whites. Come on, man, Uncle Joe is right. I'm honest, Abe, I never lie. Me and Taylor Swift are really tight. I'll lead a strategy mobilizing. True and international of Russia. So if you want Biden 2026, vote for me this September. You're a lying, dog-faced pony soldier. Come on, man, you're a lying, dog-faced pony soldier. Come on, man, you're a lying, dog-faced pony soldier. Come on, man, you're a lying, dog-faced pony soldier. Come on, man, come on, man. All right. So oh, there's hey. there's that. Didn't see you there. There's that. That's the Come On Man parody by Joe Biden. Now the last one here we got is Donald Trump and Tucker Carlson, and then we'll close it out. Let's see what these two got to say. It's your boy, Big Tucker. It's your boy, Trump the Dud. Trump the Dud. Hey, hey. hey. How, how did I get in the yeah, studio? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Everyone saying Russia, Russia, Russia. Fake news, no wonder, no one trusts ya. The United Nation filled with suckers. The only journalist I trust is Tucker. Everyone saying Russia, Russia, Russia. Fake news, no wonder, no one trusts ya. The United Nation filled with suckers. The only journalist I trust is Tucker. They tried to stop me from interviewing Putin. The whole world lost their damn mind in the proven. The land of the free, just not speech, it's confusing. Pull up on Big T, you know that I'm shooting. I'm just a journalist getting to the truth. CNN and Fox are dead. No one cares about the news. Legacy media doesn't appeal to the youth. These politicians don't give a damn about me or you. George Stephanopoulos and Barbara Walters interview Putin and so did other reporters. But as soon as Tucker goes to Kremlin, quick, call the lawyers. Apparently, I disrupt the whole new world order. Protecting Ukraine before our own southern border. Start another foreign war so they can money launder. They want me to apologize, but I'm not sorry. The left is just mad me and Putin did karate. Everyone saying Russia, Russia, Russia. Fake news, no wonder no one trusts ya. The United Nation filled with suckers. The only journalist I trust is Tucker. Everyone saying Russia, Russia, Russia. Fake news, no wonder no one trusts ya. The United Nation filled with suckers. The only journalist I trust is Tucker. Hey, hey. how did I get in the studio? Trucker, trucker. I wasn't a. Why what? I was an eight. I drove a truck. Tell Trucker Carlson that I drove a truck. Putin, who? Putin. My family used to live in Russia. By, by, I, Ireland, Russia, Irish Russia. I'm Irish Russia. I knew a Russian when I was younger. And he, he was a bad dude. He would, he would rub the head on my legs, this Russian, this Russian man in the back of an alleyway. Someone tell this Vladimir Crouton that 
got nothing on Scrat and Joe. Everyone saying Russia, Russia, Russia. Fake news, no wonder, no one trusts ya. The United Nations filled with suckers. The only journalist I trust is Tucker. Everyone saying Russia, Russia, Russia. Fake news, no wonder, no one trusts ya. The United Nations filled with suckers. The only journalist I trust is Tucker. To find more shows like this, you can visit hishardline.com and to learn more about your involvement with your local general general assembly, you can visit national-assembly.net. His Hardline Podcast. His Hardline Podcast. Podcast. exercise caution regarding any organization purporting to be an assembly and claiming similar objectives such as the American States Assembly, National Liberty Alliance, Life Force, Beacon 37, RUSA Tactical Civics, or any entity diverging from the officially recognized Michigan model acknowledged by seven countries and the United States military. Furthermore, it's important to clarify that we do not endorse or recognize status corrections.